What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the Checkpoint Amigos. I am Sancho West alongside Santi Zap. Santi, my man, how are you doing today? Dude, I'm doing fantastic. I cannot wait to talk about some of the topics that we've got going, but let's jump into this, man. Jumping in. Thank you so much for the support that we've had on episode one. It's been outstanding to read the comments, and we thank you for being the foundation. You like that? The foundation. Ooh, the foundation. The foundation of the CPA, the Checkpoint Amigos. This is going to be a very exciting episode, but Santi, before we begin our topics, I got, I got to cut a promo, man. Oh. I have to cut a promo. All right, this has been boiling underneath me. This is stemming from the news that I've read on Twitter, or X, whatever they want to call it these days. <laughs> uh, on Twitter, a tweet saying that Insomniac Games from the PlayStation Umbrella is building a multiplayer. They're hiring for a multiplayer, and here is the promo right here. Look here. I am sick and tired, Daddy. I'm sick and tired of all these developers, especially these publishers, abusing the word multiplayer. I'm telling you, Santi, and the people out there for the Checkpoint Amigos, the word multiplayer is long and gone. The days of our multiplayer days are gone, dead, no longer exists. We're entering an era of problematic video gaming because games as a service is the problem. I wish Sony PlayStation in particular if you say you're going to make a multiplayer game, make a multiplayer game. If you're saying you're going to make a games as a service, tell us you're making a games as a service. Don't try to sucker me in to a multiplayer experience that I've been dying for to all of a sudden be sold a package, to be sold a variety of the little carrots along the way. Make a multiplayer. Say you're going to make it. And if you're going to make games as a service, say it. I just don't think that they're ever going to say games as a service anymore. I just think that now in the industry, it's this naughty word uh, that you just you just don't call your game a games as a service anymore. I, I, I think know. it just has that negative connotation that they're always just going to call it a multiplayer game, regardless of whether it's, you know, a classic PvP, PvE, where it's literally I just know. a multiplayer game versus what a lot of companies are doing, which is an ecosystem. I think it's probably the best way to, you know, if you want to not use the gross word of games as a service, they're, they're making online ecosystems. Uh, fair enough. I like online ecosystems so much better than than multiplayer. I mean, multiplayer we've been talking about in the previous podcast. It's it's a, it's a, an experience. It's a closing experience where you you know you have not necessarily DLC managing it. There's not like new maps and you know the point I'm trying to make, Santi, is that I feel that multiplayer aficionados like myself are being put on the sidelines. By these promises from Sony, we know Sony's budgeted so much games as a service. We know that, and we know that's coming down the pipe. So just be upfront about it. Just be upfront. That's all I gotta say about it, Santi. Buddy, I, I just it. I feel like you're you're digging down a rabbit hole that where you're never gonna find the end. You're never <sighs> gonna find the end of this. No, I I'm think not. this is just where I'm where a lone crusader. I think you really are the lone yeah. crusader. Don't get me wrong. I love that you're fighting the good fight. Thank Keep you. Keep fighting that good fight. I just I don't think it's a fight that's going to go anywhere. Listen, it's like an LA night push. All right. We are <laughs> going to talk about topic one for the day, folks. And it is the first time ever, Santi, in the Checkpoint Amigo history. We're going to talk about impressions. I actually got early access as being part of a Ubisoft partner to an early access to Crew Motorfest. For those of you who don't know, it's going to be the third in the Crew series, and Ubisoft is behind it. And the one thing about it is when I played it, Santi, and feel free to ask questions and whatnot, is mm -hmm. it really feels strange to me that Ubisoft as a publisher feels like 
it can never be the master of something. Like they have hands in every kind of cookie jar in the gaming world, but they can never master that one hand, so to speak, like be the champion of it. The only thing I could think of Ubisoft is a champion of is open world. Like that's their bread and butter. Sure. That's Absolutely. what they nailed down. And so what's so fascinating to me is that Ubisoft is entering the racing realm that's usually held down by Gran Turismo and Forza. And that this really feels like uh, if you ever played Riders Republic, where they try to create this world that everybody loves cars and everybody is a car nut, and we all gather on this uh, in this instance Hawaii, and we're all here to just race, bro. Like it is like one of these strangest cultures that Ubisoft is trying to create and trying to manifest digitally inside Crew Motorfest. So it, it has a basic thing, it has a huge open world map of Hawaii's all the different islands, and you basically do try time trials you could race certain playlists to unlock different cars a porsche playlist a tokyo where all the exotic cars are in terms of the drifting and whatnot and then you has vintage cars and all that kind of stuff and the thing that i've noticed the most that's quite interesting is why would ubisoft try to get a foothold in the racing space when it's being dominated by forza and gran turismo i feel like it's a great effort uh, I mean, you saw me playing it, Santi. I mean, as someone who got some eyes on it, what's it like as a viewer seeing someone stream Crew Motorfest? Um, before I jump into that, I want yeah. to say one thing about the structure of what we're doing here just for the listeners or the viewers. Uh, one thing that Sancho and I had strategized before we started Checkpoint Amigos is whenever we do reviews or impressions to try and make it so that the other person hasn't actually played it, yes. right? So that we have one person who's played it who's the expert that can come in and talk from firsthand experience. And then we have the other person who is likely you, the viewer, yeah. who doesn't know whether or not they should buy it so I'm, I'm in the position of the viewer today where I'm going to be asking you questions that the viewer is likely wanting answered before they, they, they make a purchase. So you're going to yes. see this dynamic moving forward, by the way. Sure. Um, all right. So I digress. Uh, yes. Your question was, you know, kind of like, what were my first impressions of watching you play the game? Correct. I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm a distraction, you know, when you're watching if someone as good looking as me. But in terms of the gameplay, what do you think? I, you know, it, it was the first thing I said in your chat. I said, this looks a lot like Burnout Paradise. And as you were describing the game, this almost uh, racing ecosystem where people can just hang out and be chads and race. <laughs> that's what it um, is. It, that's, that's exactly the experience that I had with Burnout Paradise back in the PS3 days, as well as the re-release on, on PS4. Uh, this is my favorite type of racing game that doesn't dive into the karting world. Mm. I love the racing game that isn't fully a sim, that is an open world, uh, and it's the only type of open world games that I truly, genuinely love. So when I saw this open world where you can race and go anywhere and meet up with people. I was genuinely intrigued because Burnout Paradise is one of my favorite games of all time, period. Okay. So um, I guess my question to you is based on what I, based on what were my first impressions, based on what I saw, mm. like am I way off or am I kind of closing in? Uh, no, I think you're, you're, you're exactly nailing it. I mean, if you've played Riders Republic and like you mentioned, it is that. It's literally a big open world. You look at the map, you see an event's happening, you go ahead, you register for the event, you wait in the lobby, and then you just go. And, and there's a lot of moments where you're driving point to point, and you could have a, you know, you pick your car, and you could just cruise. You could turn immediately to a plane. You could go into the boat if you're not familiar with the cruise series. So there's a lot of that, Santi, that you, it wants you to just relax and enjoy the scenic atmosphere of mm -hmm. Hawaii and all the different islands. 
And at the same time, it wants you to explore different kind of car types and different kind of races. There's Cannonball Grand Prix type runs where you're going from point A to point B. There's laps and things of that sort. Um, there's even Formula One cars in it. And what I enjoyed from it the most in regarding to that is that challenge. It's like, okay, I already did this. I could easily go ahead and switch it up and go to a vintage car playlist and play that for a bit. Or I could continue on my own car. And what's exciting is, from what I understand, is that you could transfer the crew to Garage up to Season 8, something like that, into this crew. So any kind of cars that you've collected in the past, you could have access to. But Santi, the favorite thing that I enjoyed the most, and you're going to get this throughout the entire time of the Checkpoint Amigos as a theme here. It has a battle royale, okay? Let me out. Let me hear me out. <laughs> when, when something has a battle royale, I'm all about it because I applaud the developer that takes a risk, okay? This is called Demolition Royale. It's 32 players on a section of the map of, of Hawaii, and you go, you have a crew of like four, four people, I believe, and you literally just crash into each other in the demolition-type car, and the last team standing wins. There's power-ups that you run into, and then your ultimate is you turn into a monster truck. And I'm telling you, Santi, the coolest feeling of literally being a plane flying over. It felt like very like Pixar-ish, right? You're a plane, and then you turn into the car to dive into the lobby. Like that's how you go into the map. Car, train, uh, plane to car, and then you race. So it's like you know it's not twisted metal. You're not shooting people per se, but you're just literally bumping people. So it's exciting because you're like, oh, I got to get this angle. This guy's like flying down on the mini map. You see him and you got to time it out. And then when you T-bone somebody and you demolish them, that is there's some magic there. Will it be popular in the game? Will it turn heads? I don't know. But I applaud them for adding it to the game because that means there's an activity that I like, oh, you know what? I feel like doing some demolition today. Let me go ahead and try that out, you know? Gotcha. And I, and I think this kind of answers um, what I wanted to ask you is who does this cater more to? Does this cater to the individual that likes the arcade feel or the individual that likes the sim feel? And when I say sim, I mean like they Grand care Turismo, about, yeah. yeah, yeah. They care about the angle of their rear view mirror. Oh, you know, this steering wheel isn't <laughs> shiny enough. Oh, the decal. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, when the I racing say, lines and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. So who does this cater more to? Uh, I would say definitely it caters into the in-between. I mean, it's still, it still scratches the same edge as Forza. I mean, Forza, I believe, when I played it, when it first released on the Xbox Series X, like the first first-gen Forza, I thought, wow, this game's incredible. Graphic-wise, it's the kind of same thing. It's going to cater to the person that just wants to have a, a chill, relaxing time. Now, the difference is, I think, if you do like Riders Republic, you're going to feel at home with this because it's the Ubisoft open world. And the most difficult part that I think the crew is trying to do is pull people away from the Forzas and Gran Turismos. And I don't think that's going to fit the bill. I mean, this basically, if you had to, you know, really pin me down and, and get that one, two, three on this, it's basically if you don't have an Xbox for Forza, you could play this on PlayStation and have that same kind of feeling accessible to you. Hmm. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting to point out how sneakily huge the racing it's, sim yeah. market is. People, like, if you go back to the most, uh, the highest selling games of every PlayStation, even PlayStation 3, like, 
there's a there's a Gran Turismo either at the top or near the top of this. I remember PS3, it always shocked me that Gran Turismo Prologue was one of the highest selling games on the PlayStation 3. Like it is a sneakily really large market that is also having a lot of competitors enter the space that you would only notice if you are a fan of this ecosystem. For example, mm -hmm. like the F1 games are becoming increasingly more popular. F1 as a whole is becoming super popular. Um, so this is a, an interesting move uh, to try and get market share in a place that, yes, has a lot of fans and a lot of eyeballs, um, but is also in becoming increasingly, increasingly more crowded. But it's also a two-headed race, right? We have Gran Turismo and we have Forza. Is there room somewhere in there for a crew type game to be able to grab enough of an audience to make it one profitable and two uh, a long-standing game because um it it sounds like this is also going to be a ecosystem like almost like a games as a service as well uh, is there enough in there to keep this up and running because we've seen companies just pull the plug on these types of games before when they're not able to grab enough market share <laughs> anthem Oh man, there's that word. There's that word. Games as live service. No, uh, what's interesting when I was about to fire this up, Santi, I looked at it, and in my library of Ubisoft Connect was Hyperscape. Hyperscape was a very good battle royale. It was something that did a lot of things good. It pushed the genre forward in its mechanics, helmed by Ubisoft, so to speak. And I think just Ubisoft's track record. I mean, I don't see them ever giving up on something. They rarely give up on things. That's why it was so shocking when Hyperscape closed. Rainbow Six Siege is a great example of a game that did not have a great start. All of a sudden, Renaissance, and it's still like the esports scene is still thriving for Rainbow Six Siege. For the crew, that's my concern is Ubisoft is so spread out. They have the single-player games. They have uh, the, the indie darlings, and they have mascots like Rayman. They have all these kind of the things all over the place, and will they have enough resources to withstand the, and hold up their crew? I think what they're betting on is people who like Riders Republic would play the crew if I was somebody. And, and again, leaning on the PlayStation audience to really experience that Forza-like gameplay with the crew. It, where is this going to be available? Is this only going to be on PlayStation? You're no, kind of selling it's it everywhere. as if it's, well, it's, it's, it's going to be everywhere. Yeah, it's going to be everywhere. Like, the way you're selling it is, hey, PlayStation folks, right. you don't have access to Forza. Mm -hmm. Even though this is everywhere, we're going to give you that Forza-like experience yes. here on the PlayStation ecosystem. And I just, I just want to no, clarify that, that for, for the listener. That's what I, I think it is. If you don't have an Xbox and you want to see what Forza is all about, this is as close as you're going to get to it. And, and and it's still cool. I mean, the the stingers, the packages, the the music, all that is is definitely a W. And would Demolition Royale do something? It just makes me miss Twisted Metal and makes me wish Twisted Metal mm -hmm. existed. It makes so me sad. What what did this um, in these first impressions do for you? Like, what are you gonna do once the access to this game once is over? Are you gonna become are you gonna become an evangelist of this game? No. Are you telling people you need to cut you you need to jump in? Um, are you telling people wait until it's cheaper? Like, where are you landing on this? Uh, it's hard, it's hard to say. I mean, as someone you know, first impressions closed beta comes out in September, and some others still like a month or two away from launch. Ah. Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I'm probably the wrong person to ask to be upfront with y'all. 
Uh, I love racing games, and we'll, we'll get into something that to show you how much I love it. But I don't think it's like a game changer in any kind of way. This is just if you miss out on Forza, I think you should definitely dive into this. Is it going to be a full boat purchase in terms of full price? The only reason why I would say you might consider it is because that's when the servers are the most populated. Granted, this is cross-play, so everybody will be able to play with each other in this platform, in any platform. So, I mean, you, you may not have to rush out to it, but I just think in today's market, it's hard. It's really hard to have a racing game. Like, to talk about in the beginning of my promo, games as a service won't pretty much allow you to have a, a racing game where you feel like you have the best cars, you have the, the the cars that you want, you have to be online to be ready for this event, you have to, oh, you want to do this time, get an exclusive car, you need to play the playlist when it's available. There's so many of those factors that this game does have as well. And like I mentioned, gaming in general has literally Disney Speedstorm, a kart racer, has special events too. So it's one of those things, like if you have a missing hole in your repertoire, you don't have an Xbox, pick up the crew. All right. Yeah. But, Santi, you to ask me about gaming and whatnot. You asked me about racing, and we're going to have a fun time here. This is the first time ever on the Checkpoint Amigos, y'all. We're going to do a top five draft of racing games of all time. Now, Santi, one of the things that we had, uh, like, a, a line in the sand here for is kart racing is out. These are just strictly bogus. bogus. I tried I'm sorry. to throw a flag on the field sorry. on this one. Ridiculous. Come Ridiculous on. that kart racers we, aren't allowed. We will do that in another one here, folks. This is the first ever top five draft. The way it works, if you haven't watched it, is I will pick someone. Santi will pick someone. We have a list of racers. We'll see where it goes. And because I'm a gentleman, Santi, I know you wanted me to go first. But, Santi, what is your first round pick of racing games of all time? Look, I, this is a uh, a sentimental kid. This kid has a lot of gusto. This kid's going to be my starting point guard, you know, if I'm talking Ooh. sports. I'm taking Burnout Paradise. It does it all very well. It does the arcade feel. It does the Battle Royale feel. Even before Battle Royales were even a thing, I'm taking Burnout Paradise here. That's such a great pick. I'm mad because... I'm going to include my pick in that and, and sort of speak because it's off the board. Burnout 3 was my pick, but let's just put Burnout as a series. Just sure. Like, as a nice one. Burnout as a series is number one for Santi. My number one pick is Daytona USA, the arcade. There is nothing like that experience playing Daytona. Yeah. Daytona USA is so good. I literally only played one map is that first beginner map. Hitting that hard left turn on that hairpin. <laughs> Get in that first place. Daytona USA is my number one pick. This is a reach for the first round. Reach. Okay. Absolute Just reach saying. for the first round. You go to you go to arcade. What's the game that you're going to play? Daytona That's USA. Fair. That's fair. Uh, for my number two pick, I'm going to take a, a legend in the space. I'm going to take a Hall of Famer. I'm taking Gran Turismo 3 A-Spec on the mm. PlayStation 2. You know what? Sure. You, you can knock it. You can say what an, nope. what an obvious pick that is. What an obvious pick. But name me a PS2 owner that didn't have this game. There's PS2 owners that don't even realize that they have this game because there's so many copies of this in the wild because it's just one of the highest selling games in PlayStation 2 history. Gran Turismo A-Spec. I uh, mean, you would have to put up a pin on that for Ridge Racer as well. Everybody had Ridge Racer back in the day. My second pick... It's going to be a little bit out of this world, Santi. Star Wars Episode One Pod Racer, by <laughs> far the goatiest of goat games racing of all time. 
the speed, the feel of it, getting that much momentum off the Nintendo 64, having to put the expansion pack in that bad boy to be able to enjoy the true frames per second of pod racing. That, my friends, is my next pick. Woo-hoo. So it's funny that you went that route because I feel like I have the better version of that game. No shot. All right. No shot. I have Wipeout HD. Okay. All right. We're going for lightning fast speed. Whether you're playing this on the Vita, RIP, will always RIP. be in our hearts. RIP. PS3, whatever it might be, this game was on every every PlayStation console imaginable. This thing is so much fun. It is impossible to master. Like it's easy to pick up, True. but it is borderline impossible to master. I've, I've taken Wipeout HD with my third pick. Okay, that's so interesting that, you know, pod racing, Wipeout, that kind of the same kind of vibe here. For my next pick in the third round, San Francisco Rush 2049. <laughs> that game holds so much special memories in my heart. There's nothing like learning a shortcut. But the best part of that game, Santi, is the playground mode where you did stunts and you literally just drove up a ramp and see how many times you could flip and land it. San Francisco Rush in general. What a great franchise. Okay, I, you feel free to throw a flag on the play on this one because oh, it I'm, could I'm be considered it could be considered a kart racer, but I'm taking MotorStorm Pacific Rift. No, we're good. Right? We're good. I can take that. Okay, take all that. right. Just making sure. This thing was a beautiful game of it was just like this beautiful atmosphere that you got to race in that was also like just constantly being destroyed. It was just so much mayhem. It was so much fun, and I think it's one of those games that took the PS3 that the cell processor to the <laughs> yeah. limit. So um, I'm taking. Uh, Motorstorm Pacific Rift specifically. I remember that that was that next gen you played. And, oh my God, all these different kind of cars on there. Motorstorm will hold a special place. I'm going to go with a classic, Santi. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. No! Yes! No! Yes! No! That was my fifth pick. Yes! I had to steal it. It is by far... The, the screen was so sick on there, but there was nothing like being the police officer chasing someone down. Nothing like invading someone who's a police officer. And the PvP on that was genius. One person was the person that was trying to get away. The other one was a cop, and that was it. It was a 1v1. There was nothing like it. Oh, my goodness. I could pick up that game today, and I would still enjoy it. All right. Well, now I have to go to uh, to my sixth pick because I was really hoping uh, that that was going to drop to me in the fifth pick. But I'm going to take up Midnight Club Three Dub Edition. Okay. Because classic. It, what's funny is that I wasn't old enough to really appreciate what we had. But all I know is that this is the game that everyone gathered around the dingy basement to play oh, yeah. when I was in middle school. So I'm taking Midnight Club Three Dub Edition, which if you were a cool kid, you didn't say Midnight Club Three. You just say you, you, we playing Dub Edition. We playing wow. Dub Edition. There was something about the the checkpoint marker that was like revolutionary. The the floating check marker and then you just hitting that intersection changed gaming for racing forever. My last pick. This is the last one, right? My last pick. Uh, yeah, this is your last pick. Make it count. The off-road arcade game. The thing with the three wheels. You remember? There was a blue, red, and yellow. It was on a dirt rally path. And you had to turn that wheel so fast. And it was a top-down. And you looked down at your cars. And you were just spinning the wheel. Going really fast. Come on, Santi. Don't you grow up in arcade. What, what is this? Don't you, it sounds don't. like you're making it up. I'm not making it up. <laughs> you're making this up. I am not making it up. It is a th- real, there's wheels, a screen. It's called off-road. I, I don't know, remember the name, but you spun it and you turn it and you had nitros and you had you know, oil spills. 
You had ramps. Sounds like you're churning butter. Yeah, yeah, you had to turn it. You really had to crank it. <laughs> That's how old it is. But that is our top five drafts ever for the Checkpoint Amigos. And that is our racing tiles. I'm Hey, I'm happy that we agreed on the uh, hot, you know, Need for Speed. What oh, do you dude, think about Need uh, for Speed? I mean, I love Need for Speed. I'm personally either between... Um, uh, I could have gone Underground 2 as well. That's a good one. And 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 I, and I would have been happy with it. Uh, but Need for Speed is a game that, I don't know, like it just feels like it lost a lot of its soul in its final years. Um, yeah. But... You know, through throughout the PS3, through the PS2 days especially, and it was my go-to Vita game, Need for Speed Undercover. Um, as you can understand now, I love my PlayStation Vita. It means life, baby. Yeah, um, yeah it just feels like it's lost a lot of its soul throughout the, the its latter lifespan. Yeah, I, I think for me, Need for Speed, I heard like the latest one was pretty good, but I, it used to be like Forza. Like it used to be Forza Gran Turismo, Need for Speed, like those yeah. are the the top three, and for them to fall off, I really, I blame EA, man. I feel like EA had let a lot of franchises go. I mean, we could do another top five for like franchises we need to bring back, but let us know in the comments your favorite racer of all time, Santi, my friend. What topic you got for us today on the checkpoint? All right, Sancho, I want you to, to channel your inner Chad. All right, <laughs> I want you to get your Mountain Dew and Doritos ready. I want you to get every awful thing that you could possibly say to somebody over game chat because we are talking Call of Duty. Specifically, we're talking about the return of classic Call of Duties, kind of, because they were never gone. They were always there. You could at any moment turn on Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, or mm -hmm. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, you know, the naming, the nomenclature and the naming structure of these games got a little bit confusing, admittedly. They're always there, whether you wanted to play them on ps3 on xbox or pc recently we don't really know exactly what happened what the wording is what they actually did what knobs they turned and what gears they cranked all we know is that xbox fixed the xbox live servers for the call of duty games starting from call of duty 2 <laughs> all the way up to call of duty ghosts those classic games that were predominantly available on uh, places like the xbox 360. um what's interesting about this whole situation is that it's leading to hundreds of thousands of concurrent players going back to these old call of duties i saw a screenshot over 180,000 concurrent players on black ops 2. Not the same thing that's happening over in PlayStation for a couple of reasons. One, you could blame, one, the fact that there's no backwards compatibility in terms of bringing up the PS3 games into PS4 and PS5, but also they didn't fix those servers. So I'm curious, and what I wanted to discuss here is, one, what, what are your thoughts on these old Call of Duty games? And two, do you feel like this is a little bit of uh, malevolent compliance to the whole forcing xbox to have call of duty games on playstation and xbox saying fine but if you want to play the classic games and have a proper good experience with them it's gonna be on xbox because you can't get this experience anywhere else so when you hear all of this these ramblings of you know 2009 santiago who's super excited to get back into playing search and destroy on call of duty 4 um what are your thoughts like tell me what are what's your experience with call of duty first sure 
I love Call of Duty. Uh, Call of Duty, I always call it my fast food type of game where you you know you're going to have that type of experience and you know that it's going to nail that experience. Uh, but, you know, you could only be in the waters so long before you want to go somewhere else. But it's always a great time, and they always put the, the biggest budgets, and I always, always have to check out the latest Call of Duty, no matter what. I always buy it, I check it out, I play a little bit. Now that it has Battle Royales, I always sort of dive into it a little bit more deeper and hang out a little bit longer. Uh, but it's one of those kind of annual-type experiences where... I don't think they're going to revolutionize the wheel too much. I think a lot of them got scared after Black Ops 3, uh, how they started making it a hero shooter, and a lot of the purists didn't like that. They didn't like the different kind of movement ability mm -hmm. when it comes to all that, but it's so interesting to see. Um, I always dislike when COD fights COD because it's like y'all want the same thing, you know? Why, why are you fighting each other uh, when it comes down to modern warfare versus advanced warfare or ghosts or things of that sort? Um, when it comes to this, though, for those of you that don't know, uh, the acquisition from Microsoft of Activision, which includes the umbrella of Call of Duty, uh, they recently have made a ruling that Xbox will still continue. They made an agreement between PlayStation and Xbox to continue that relationship uh, in in like kind of like, uh, yeah, we got each other. This is good for business. This is good for business type of deal. Uh, well, I think that Xbox knows what it what it's doing. It's slowly positioning itself to kind of get PlayStation out of the realm of Call of Duty. And there's a couple of steps, Santi, that I've been thinking about when you asked me this question. First, you gotta have the backlog, which Xbox now has. They have the Game Pass uh, possibility so people could enjoy those pass. Second, you need to get eSports. I don't know what kind of agreement that PlayStation still has, but every pro has to play on the PlayStation in the official COD League and things of that sort. The third thing would be the optics. And if Call of Duty is going to do the commercials and Microsoft is going to have the logo at the end, people are going to start thinking that I need to buy an Xbox or play on PC Game Pass to enjoy the titles of Call of Duty. But what I think at the final end what you're saying is, I mean, how many times are you going to jump into Call of Duty Modern Warfare? I mean, I bought the re-release of it, the remastered, I played it for a bit, but I haven't even really dived into it, Santi. It's I, not the same, Santi. Just, just, it is not the same. Do so? not tell me, Do not tell me that you are comparing Call of Duty Remastered to the masterpiece that is COD 4 from I'm 2007. I'm just saying, like, dude, or don't you want new experiences? Like, I understand that you could get a lobby within four seconds. I saw a TikTok of a guy literally going down the line of every single Call of Duty and how long does it finally... You could get a lobby with, like, within a minute, but it's like, how many games are you going to put into it, Santi? Are you going to play, like, for a night? Are you going to make this, like, a casual thing? Like, what are you talking about here? Like, that's what I'm... That's what I think what... Even though we did an episode on classic gaming dying, when it comes to multiplayer experiences, I think the nostalgia factor is not that lasting, like... What are you trying to do here? Are you just trying to look for a one good night only, or are you going to grind it again? I don't again? know what you're, you're talking about. It, it, nostalgia not carrying multiplayer. My friend RuneScape would like to have a conversation with you because I'm that is still- I'm talking about COD, though. I'm talking about uh, Okay, look, okay, but this is, this is new territory because even though those games were always there, they yeah. were never truly properly accessible. You either had to- Go get an older console to play it, or you had to endure piss poor servers in mm. order to play it. So the 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 idea that well you know they were always there and you weren't playing them before 
it's kind of null and void because this is an entirely different experience. We're now being given a good experience to properly enjoy these nostalgic games. And I do think that nostalgia carries and it carries a lot because I don't think that it's normal for uh, over a hundred thousand people to go on to Black Ops That's 2 important. to play for an entire night. That's now, important. that being said, I don't think that this will be the game moving forward, but it is a thing that you can now jump into casually without having to set up your PS3, without having to set up your Xbox 360. It is now as easily accessible as playing Fortnite or as playing X, Y, and Z that's on modern platforms. When before it truly was, it wasn't, it wasn't. Now right. it really, really is. Is this gonna be my go-to game? Absolutely not. But will it be my bag of Doritos, something that I have every now and then, that like little piece of junk food yeah. that I can have? I can now because it's super easily accessible. Okay, so just to piggyback to our previous podcast, do you feel that this is the proper route how developers should release their old titles? A Game Pass type of thing, a Netflix type of system, keep the servers alive, let people do what they want, don't necessarily have to like add a new dlc or add anything to it or a battle pass for crying out loud just have them up and let people go in and out as they please type of deal i don't know like i don't know whether that's the right option like from a business perspective i don't know what it costs to keep these servers alive mm -hmm. like um just because the call of duty servers were brought back it doesn't or enhanced doesn't mean all of the call of duties are now popular like call of duty ghosts still only had about 800 people playing it mm -hmm. uh, so is there a good return on investment in keeping those servers alive like the selfish part in me if i enjoyed ghost sure yeah keep these things alive but is it reasonable for me to ask you know these developers and publishers to keep these servers alive when there is no uh, additional return on investment as there is nowadays with microtransactions because these microtransactions didn't exist back then. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the answer. I will say I'm very, very confident in the Call of Duty lineup when it eventually comes to Game Pass, which is almost certainly will. I can't see it not. Considering all of these old Call of Duty games, as soon as the servers were fixed, were brought down from their full price down to $9.99. So like, good deal. they're... they're they're very, very accessible. Once they're available on Xbox, um, do I think that those individual games are worth keeping alive for the developer? Probably not. But are those games worth keeping alive to gain an Xbox Pass subscriber? Absolutely. Good point. 100%. This could be a diving off point for a lot of people that were timid about Xbox Game Pass, which I don't know why you would be. It's the best deal in gaming. It still is, and it's been for years. I know it's just this moniker that people say all the time, um, but this can be the the jumping in point for a lot of those chads that love the Call of Duty games. Here it is, right for the taking. And now while you're at it, now you can experience Forza. You can experience Halo. You can experience the things that we can nickel and dime you on because we have the proper ecosystem to do so. That's what I was trying to say. I really do feel that, that Xbox is making those slow, like like you know sneakily as you said earlier moves they're slowly positioning and i think playstation is behind the eight ball like i think playstation needs to understand i know we're, we're slowly going off topic here but this is a move against playstation that playstation needs to understand that it's going to take them a long time to catch up this reminds me 
and I'm, I'm a sucker for metaphor, Santi, so if you want to pick this up, let me know. Marvel versus DC. Marvel versus DC, okay? Xbox is Marvel, DC is PlayStation. Marvel has done the right steps to create the MCU in the proper way. One movie, one movie, one movie, and so on and so on. DC, however, did it the wrong way. They try to go right into Justice League. So I feel what's going to happen is all of a sudden Game Pass is going to really have a good stronghold in the gaming space. And PlayStation is going to say, but you could use this PlayStation Plus Gold thing that they've already tried to do. And you sign that up and you're going to get access to X, Y, and Z online. And I think Call of Duty being in that umbrella for Xbox will definitely make a great case for Game Pass. And I, I agree, it is the best deal in gaming. But what happens when they say, okay, you love these Call of Duty games. We're going to take them offline, Santi. You're back to square one where we talked about in the last pod. We are back to square one, but if there is analytical data proving that there's enough people buying Game Pass and the first game that they boot up is Call of Duty 4, you would never remove that from Game Pass. You would never hinder the, the servers again because you know that this is that this is moving Game Pass subscriptions. Mm -hmm. And and I think that might be the happy medium. You know, you had asked me, is it, uh, you know, is this the way that uh, developers should do it moving forward in terms of keeping these, these games alive? I think it's entirely fair if you have a game that is predominantly there for the purposes of trying to get people to get games Game Pass subscriptions because of its nostalgic multiplayer appeal like those Call of Duty games and if it's not delivering numbers in terms of people jumping in to play it people purchasing Game Pass subscriptions and one of those Call of Duty games being the first five games that they play with Xbox Game Pass I think it's totally fair game to remove them from those services because it is unrealistic to ask you know Xbox and Microsoft to keep these games alive that aren't giving them you know a net profit I, I, like mm. this is at the end of the day like you know they're not you know they're, they're not the Salvation Army they're here to make money and but I'm very confident <laughs> but yes <laughs> but they if if these games these retro games can demonstrate their worth in terms of delivering Game Pass subscriptions I think we're going to see them there for the long haul all right all right Santi, what is your go-to Call of Duty then? Like, it not like you told me you have been playing these, right? Did you go back? Yeah. Did you go yeah, back? My go-to chip back. Yes. My go-to is, is and will always be COD 4. I love the simplicity of a three, five, seven kill streaks. I don't love, you know, oh my God, Sancho, I just got a 35 kill streak. Here is I'm riding in on. Uh, on a giant AC-130 while, you know, America the Beautiful is playing in the background and bombs are, are flying everywhere. Like, I, th that's what Call of Duty eventually became where, like, these ridiculous nutty kill streaks. Mm -hmm. um, I just like the simplicity of three, five, seven. Uh, it's, it's, it's... I don't know like it's it's simple enough to the point where it makes it really easy to pick up and play when if you are a brand new you know if you're trying to dive into call of duty if you go into modern warfare 2 like the current one today or let's say black ops 4 the first lobby you jump into there are 50 kill streaks up in the air and you don't know what to do right you jump in there are there's so many things in 
pieces of customizing that you can pick and choose from that it can be overwhelming. When Call of Duty 4 just says, here are your kill streaks, everyone has the same kill streaks, here are your guns, and you know, here's a little bit of customization for your guns. It's the easiest Call of Duty to pick up and play and jump into without being fully overwhelmed. Uh, it's easily my go-to in terms of jumping in back to, to a classic Call of Duty. Okay. Mine would have been Black Ops 2. I love Black Ops 2. There's something that's that... the that's the popular answer. Yeah. That's okay. You want to be with the popular kids. You go ahead and go over there. Well, I didn't play it the way everyone else did. I was one of those uh, strange gamers. I would play with the ballistic knife. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to only using my blade. Old school YouTuber mm -hmm. would walk around using that. And there was something satisfying about outplaying people with that. All right. I mean, I guess my last question in regards to this whole thing, you know. Do you see a future where eventually Xbox turns on <laughs> the heel turn? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're wrestling fans too. The heel turn where Xbox says, all right, PlayStation, you've had your fill. No more Call of Duty for you. No, because it's it's like they own the well. And if, and if PlayStation is making the money, then like why turn off that faucet? Mm -hmm. And it's very, very clear to me now that Xbox, they're they're not in the wrestling business. They're in the entertainment business. That's a that's an old um, analogy from the world of professional wrestling. If I have to bring it to the world of gaming, they're no longer in the console game. That's they true. are in the software service game, right? And if they are able to provide that software and that service elsewhere. They're winning. They're winning. They're not trying to sell you an Xbox anymore. They're trying to sell you software that they can then sell you more software. They can microtransaction you. They, they have you. Even if you were over on PC or over on PlayStation, they're winning. I don't see a reason why they, they would try and turn off that faucet. What, for the sake of selling more xboxes i don't i don't see that being their 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 end goal maybe maybe they want to push you to xbox or pc for the sake of selling game pass subscriptions i could see that being the case um but you know if if you can get these millions of jabronis buying a full price call of duty game and it's pro it's Paying $80 for the call for the new Call of Duty game is probably gonna offset, you know, not being able to get that person as a Game Pass subscriber. That's a good point. Now the thing is I would have to ask you then, one more. Will PlayStation have Game Pass? No. I think there's a there's a level of That's pride a there. There's a line. I think that there's a level of pride. Um, we've seen, um, and I also think it's a cultural thing with, with Sony as a Japanese company. Like there is a lot of pride at play um, when it comes to the likes of PlayStation and Nintendo. And I just don't see that ever being the case. We've seen Nintendo, how protective they are of their licenses and stepping into their ecosystem. And I really think that PlayStation is very, very similar in that way. I don't see it ever happening. I think that they probably make hand money hand over fist on PlayStation Plus. Dude, I don't even know what subscription of PlayStation Plus I'm on. That's the thing. I don't I don't know. I don't know what I have access to, what I don't have access to. All I know is that every year X amount of money comes out. <laughs> The one thing I, I want. And I, oh, I'm sorry. I was go. Uh, I, I I was going to point this out. I just picked up an article that DLC, according to Phil Spencer, won't be exclusive to Microsoft. That was one of the things I was worried about. There, he said you're going to get the same version of the game will be available on all platforms as it is today. Yeah. 
that that doesn't surprise me because Call of Duty was kind of the granddaddy of crossplay. You mm-hmm. can't have crossplay if you're going to have people with exclusive maps on certain platforms. It just doesn't work. Not anymore. It used to. I mean, dude, you didn't think about the shady things that they did. Like, you could mm-hmm. only have these maps if you bought it. You will separate the player pools. Like, we put up a lot when it comes to the old multiplayer practices. Mm-hmm. Loot boxes wasn't even the tip of the iceberg when it comes to multiplayer things. But that is definitely for another podcast. Santi, anything you want to put on in terms of the bow of the return of the classic COD? Is there a challenge you want to throw down to the people? Do you, When am I going to see Santi stream some COD? Dude, you're going to see Santi stream some COD soon. Yes. Uh, definitely looking for people to help me prestige in Call of Duty 4 because I started from scratch. So uh, you let me know if you want to help your boy Gandhi Sandals. That's uh, my uh, my new handle. Uh, yes. Um, if you want to help Gandhi Sandals reach first prestige, you let me know. There you go. There you go. Make sure to comment down below. And one thing I wanted to say before we wrap out episode two, we're going to try to be live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific. You know, the first episode, there's a little hiccups, but we're always open to feedback of any kind in regards to the Checkpoint Amigos. Again, Santi, episode two already in the books, my friend. We already wrapping it up here, man. Uh, any any kind of uh, socials you want to definitely hit us up at Twitter or X. I don't even know what's going to be called by next week at Checkpoint Amigo. TikTok, thank you so much for the support. I mean, we've seen people, what, over a 1,000 in one TikTok? Kind of wild, kind of wild. Check us out at Checkpoint Amigos. And, of course, YouTube, where you watch it here, at Checkpoint Amigos. And But I, I think, though, Santi, if you had to – the final thing to say is I think I won the draft, the, the racing draft. I think. Are I, you – are you kidding? Yeah, I think I did. Are you kidding? Yeah, I think I did. Wow. Whatever helps you sleep at night. Well, comment down below. Let us know who do you think won the best <laughs> top five draft. Santi, where can people find you, my friend? Uh, you know what? Let's keep it the YouTube. Yeah, YouTube.com slash Mr. Santi's app. If you're into wrestling stuff, that's where you're going to want to find me. And you can find me at everything at Sancho West. Thank you so much for watching. Checkpoint Amigos. Adios. The ga- what, 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 what did I say? The pod for the gaming people. Is that, is that our slogan? Okay. The, I yeah. kind of liked okay. it. What, what do you like? I mean, I mean we're here. Well, no. I, I, I did say I didn't like it. I'm just saying I didn't know that's. I, I, I didn't know we were making it a thing. It sounded cool when I said it All yesterday. Right. You, you, try, right. you try saying it. Let me hear it. how it sounds. The pod for the gaming people. Dude, that sounds good. I like it.